You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning, ACF. How y'all doing out there? Everyone good? You sure sound good. Um, If I don't know you, my name is Chris Tapkin. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, So good to see you. I lead our prayer ministry. Um, I want you to know this, like really know this. Y'all are prayed for. Like, know that. Like, we labor every single day for y'all. So I hope that gives you a level of comfort and peace knowing that when you come in here, you are covered in prayer. And it's such a big deal. So we are in... Week two in a series called Signs and Wonders. And if you missed last week's message, can you go back online and listen to it for me? Lauren did such an amazing job. Can we, can we thank Lauren for, oh. I'm so proud of her and that, that, that message, I've listened to it like three times this past week. It just so good, so moved my heart. Um, listen to it if you haven't. So to, this is week two of an eight-week series. Next week, Emily Boone's going to be here on the pulpit, and she's going to talk to you about a miracle that happened at a wedding. That's all I'm saying. I already said too much. You don't want to miss it. So get in your chairs for next week. So um, if you are a guest Welcome, and online, can we welcome them in the house online? Let them know we're thinking about them, praying for them. Welcome online, we're so glad you're joining us. Um, If you would like more information about Austin Christian Fellowship, if you would like more connection at Austin Christian Fellowship, um, we have a slide back there, and you can text ACF Connect, all one word, to this number, 512. 866-9908, or just take a picture of that. And we would love to get you more connected at ACF. Um, So if you need that, please um, do that. And um, one of our staff will be in touch with you um, this week. The Lord just put this fresh on my heart, so I, I just feel I have to release this over us. And that is expectations. When you walk in here every Sunday, what's your expectations of what the Lord will do? Here's my ask of you as one of the pastors here. Whatever it is, would you increase it? That doesn't intimidate the Lord one bit. But I want us to be a spiritual family that every time that we walk through those doors, we're expecting an encounter with the living God. Amen. And by the way, I'm a talk back kind of pastor. You can talk back, you can yell, you can, yeah, you can amen, you can, just don't throw stuff at me. Y'all with me on that? Can we do that as a spiritual family? Can we do that as a house of miracles? Like when we walk through the door, we're just not expecting to be encouraged, although that's a good thing. We're expecting an encounter with the living God. Yes. That changes everything. Yes. 
And he loves that prayer. He loves that expectation. So for the next several weeks while we're in the Signs and Wonders series, can we, can we like come expecting Signs and Wonders? Can, can we do that as a faith family? Because I believe with all my heart, that's what God really wants to do. So raise your expectation. Maybe that's new for you. Maybe you never heard language like that. That's okay. God loves to show up when he sees a hungry people. That was free. That's not even the message. So, question. How far are you willing to go to get your family, to get your friends, to get people that you care about to the feet of Jesus. How far are you willing to go? Will you pray with me? So Lord, here we are, wanting an encounter with you. God, I thank you for the amazing worship and that team that led us into your presence, God. You're here with us right now. Now, God, use this pulpit to encourage your people, to mark your people, Lord, to change us, God. We want an encounter with you now, today, Lord. Not just a nice church service, but we want an encounter with the living God. May your word, which is so powerful, God, touch us this morning. And so, Lord, can I just publicly confess in front of this spiritual family, I need you. I'm desperate for you, God. I can't, I can't do this without an anointing. So, God, would you anoint these words? May everyone come from you. Just, Lord, just get me out of the way, please. And use this time to mark hearts, God. Do a work in us, God. Give us an encounter with you. We're expectant, God, now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. Today's title is Be a Roof Crasher. If you need a Bible, we have a team coming down in the aisles right now that would love to give you, if you have your Bible, which I hope you do, you need to go to Mark 2. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 is where we're going to be today. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Oh, I love those, hearing those pages turn. That makes a pastor's heart happy. Before we journey into the text, would you journey with me to a country called Uganda? It's February 2018, and I find myself in Jinja, Uganda on an ACF missions trip. It's 
the last day before we leave. And I'm sent out to preach, to encourage, to give hope, to pray in a remote village. So as I jump in this white Toyota SUV down a dirt road, a good dirt road, after about an hour we head to another dirt road, which wasn't so good, and then another hour into another dirt road, which is really not so good. Kind of 10 miles an hour type road until we come upon a remote village. We are greeted by the women who are their colorful dresses, just beautiful. We are greeted by the children. We are greeted by the whole community. And as I stepped out of that car, I saw something. And what I saw was urgent need. The pastor came and greeted me, and the first thing he said is, Pastor, I need you to pray. And I said, absolutely, be an honor to. How can I pray? And he said, I need you to pray for rain. I said, okay, tell me about that. He said, well, we've been a three-year drought. You see, and when we don't get rain, my people die. Because as you noticed on this drive, it's hard to get here. It's hard to get us food. And we're dependent upon agricultural and the crops and the food that we grow to live, and it hasn't rained, and my people are hurting. I saw the look of desperation in this pastor's face. I saw the look of desperation in people's eyes. It reminded me of the same look that I saw when I went to Haiti, and I saw many, many pregnant women eating what I thought was like a cookie. And I asked Pastor Noel, tell me about the, the, the they eat this cookie, and he said, Pastor, those, those aren't cookies. Those are, that's mud with some flour that's baked. And to subside the deep hunger pain of the pregnant women that eat these mud cookies. It's that same look of desperation that I saw in Uganda. The pastor said, above that, we need a spiritual reign. My people have become helpless and hopeless. And witchcraft has entered the community and we need a spiritual rain, even above a physical rain. So I ask you this, what do you do when you come face to face with the collision of intense 
needs. The collision of intense physical and intense spiritual needs. What do you do? Do you only share the gospel? What about the children? What about the children that are hungry? What about the the people that don't have clean water? What do you do with that? But friends, in reality, it's not just Uganda and Haiti where this is happening. It's happening in Lakeway. It's happening in Steiner Ranch. It's happening right here in River Place. Where we have the collision of intense physical and intense spiritual needs colliding. Which makes our text in Mark 2 extremely urgent and important for us. So let's dive in. God's word. And when he, Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down a bed on which the paralytic lay. Verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in their spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, Jesus said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? To the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, picked up his bed, and went out before them. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Praise God. Jesus is in the northern city on the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum, which was his home ministry base. And here he is in a house teaching, but not just teaching, teaching from a new level of authority that these people had never heard before. So the crowds come, get the scene. So if this is the first time you've heard this, picture this, put yourself in that scene with me. Let's go there for a moment. If you've heard a story, 
fresh eyes. Let's look at this from a different angle. Imagine yourself in that crowd, hearing Jesus speak and proclaim and teach. Well, he drew a crowd. So much so you couldn't even get in the place. You're there in the crowd, and all of a sudden you you feel something on your head. A little at first, more coming, and you're like, what is this? And you look up and you see dirt falling down. A first century house like this in Galilee would have had a roof that you would walk on that would be used for sometimes even sleeping at night, but in the cool of the day. Think of... um, Austin, think of like a deck. So you're in this crowd and you, you look up and you, you see dirt falling down. And, and, and more dirt. And then, then you look up and you, you see there's a hole in the roof. Now, Jesus, despite his authority, I'm certain would have lost his crowd's attention at this point. And Jesus looks up. Listen. Jesus looks up. And what does he see? He sees faith. Is that amazing? I would look up and I would see a law broken. That's called vandalism. (laughs) But Jesus saw Faith. Faith of what? Faith of four men. Four men that in Scripture remain faceless and nameless. But in these four faceless, nameless men, Jesus saw faith. And down comes on a mat their friend. Likely, four corners would have had ropes and they would have been gently lowering their friend who then finds himself at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. I find that so fascinating because the paralytic didn't even ask for that. Then you have this other group over here, the scribes. They're questioning all this at best. And they say, Who does he think he is? Because only God can forgive sin. But Jesus examined their hearts and says, what do you think's easier for me? To say your sins are forgiven or walk? Can you imagine that scene? 
of this helpless, hopeless paralytic who his whole life would have been an outcast in that culture. Probably filthy, dirty, neglected. In that culture, often they attributed physical sickness like that to intense sin. He would have been definitely one of the least of these in an outcast. And here he finds himself looking up at the face of Jesus. And he hears, your sins are forgiven. And the naysayer crowd said, who does he think he is? And then, for the benefit of all those people, Jesus says, walk. And to the Lord, to the glory of God Almighty, this paralytic walks. But he doesn't just walk. He runs out to the amazement of all the crowd. Can, and then, can you imagine the four? Yes, this is when you say amen. Could you imagine the four, the four faithful, nameless friends high-fiving, chest-bumping? He did it. Yes. And they sprint out of there, all five of them, with a destructed house in their wake. And the glory of God came upon the people and they testified, we've never seen anything like this. Can that be our heart cry, Austin Christian Fellowship? To come in here expectant, God to do miracles, signs and wonder, and us to leave saying, we've never seen anything like this. Doesn't that... Austin, Texas need that? Doesn't the world need that? A faith family coming together saying, God, we're going to have just enough faith to put people in front of you expecting you to do miracles. I want you to look through this story through the following lens. Ready? Even if you're not, here we go. One central theme, two urgent needs, three characteristics of Jesus, four faithful friends, and five attributes of a roof crasher. Got it? Okay, we're going to go one by one. One, two, three, four, five. Be a roof crasher. One. One central theme in this story, and it is the power of God's word. Somebody please say amen to that. The power of God's word. It's by the word of Jesus that this man's sins were forgiven. It's also by the word of Jesus that this paralytic was healed and stood. This is powerful, friends. This is not just a historical document to be studied with your mind. This is the living word of God. And it is powerful and life-changing. This is why every time I get the privilege to come to the pulpit, I just urge you to get in this as a lifestyle. 
not because I want you to understand a historical document. It's because this is the living word of God. And when Jesus speaks, there's power behind it. This book is full of promises to you and me, our families, multi-generation, and it has power. When Jesus speaks, stuff happens. Let's just say that. And the central theme of this story is the power of God's word, how he spoke by his word. This man's sins were forgiven by his word. To the glory of God, this paralytic stood. Two, two urgent needs in the story, one physical, one spiritual. The physical need was evident, yes? He was paralyzed. Everyone knew it. You could see it. His physical need was evident. But listen, this man's spiritual need was ultimate. His physical need was evident, but his spiritual need was ultimate. Even more important than his physical sickness was his spiritual sickness. So we know that this man is a sinner, which means his greatest need was not healing from God, but holiness to God. See, friends, our ultimate need is never physical. It's always spiritual. Let me explain. Because with sin, we're ultimately separated from God. And this is what we call in Austin Christian Fellowship the Genesis 3 reality. That when sin entered the world, the world got whacked. And this is where you and I find ourselves in Austin, Texas, 2023, in a whacked world of sin. We became separated from God through sin. So our ultimate need is not to get rid of the suffering and illness, but our ultimate need is to be reconciled to our maker. The physical need was evident of this man, but the spiritual need was ultimate, which leads me to three. Three characteristics of Jesus. The first Jesus loves faith. When he saw the faith of these four friends, it moved him. Question. When Jesus looks at you, what does he see? Does he see faith? Hebrews 11 says it's impossible, strong word, it's impossible to please God without faith. Jesus loves faith. 
And when he sees it, it moves his heart. It moves his heart so much, he manifests and moves. Number two, Jesus sees into our hearts. Just when Jesus said to this man, your sins are forgiven, he looked over and he saw the scribes questioning. He saw their questioning and accusing hearts. Well, the same is true for us. Jesus can see into our hearts. He sees through every one of our motives. He sees our purity, our lack of it. He can see into our hearts. Nobody can escape his gaze and his examination of our hearts. And nothing, friends, listen, nothing in our lives is hidden from him. He sees into our hearts. He loves faith. He sees into our hearts. And the third characteristic of Jesus in this story is he has authority. For what? He has authority to heal. Never miss this, church. Jesus heals. Can we never stop being in awe and amazed and absolutely encouraged by the fact that Jesus still heals? Amen? Amen. Jesus spoke and that paralysis was healed. Disease didn't have the final authority. Jesus does. Only Jesus has the final authority. Never forget that, church. ACF, Jesus is still in the healing business today. I don't care what the doctor report says. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how you grew up or what you used to. The truth is Jesus still is in the healing business today. Amen. And don't ever let go of that. Right. As good of news as that is, it gets better. He has authority to forgive our sin. And this is the greatest news of all. Jesus has authority to heal sin and forgive all of our sins. Said earlier, our greatest need is not physical but spiritual. It's because all the suffering and sickness ultimately goes back to the root source of sin. Sin is the root of all this suffering and sickness that we see. And we all were infected with the deadly disease of sin. We all test S-I-N positive. 
And this, this is what Jesus came to do. So if sin is ultimately the root cause of all the problems, what we need is someone to fix that problem. Amen? We just don't need someone that has authority over sickness and suffering. We need someone that has authority over sin. And Mark 2 makes it very, very clear. We do. We have a man that has that authority. And that man has a name, and his name is Jesus. The scribes were right when they said only God can forgive sin, but what they failed to see through their blindness of their eyes is he was right in front of them in the flesh. This is the good news of the Bible. Is that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus, this man who came and he lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life. And though he had no sin, he died for sin. Whose sin? Yours and mine. As a substitute, paying a debt none of us could pay on our own. This man came out of love. And he went to the cross on that Friday and he said, I'll pay the price that they can't pay. The price of sin, I'll cover it all for every one of them. This is the gospel. And now, the news even gets better. Because Sunday came. See, he didn't stay dead for long, did he? On Friday, he dies for our sin. On Sunday, he rose again. And he's alive. And the greatest news of all is anyone, anywhere, anytime, with a simple repentant heart and confessing him as Lord and Savior, and you will be saved. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But sadly, there's a cheapened gospel out there. And the cheapened gospel narrative goes something like this. If you just trust Jesus, he'll heal you from all your illness. It's saying to those people in Uganda, if you just trust Jesus, all the HIV and AIDS will be gone. It's saying in Haiti, if you just trust Jesus, all the tumors will be gone. It's saying to America, if you just trust Jesus, all the cancer will be gone. But the real gospel, the real gospel is saying, no. If you trust Jesus, all your sins will be gone. Don't miss this. 
when you confess him as Lord, you have now severed the root of all the problem. The root of sin has forever been severed in your life. And sin now becomes defeated. And we are reconciled to God through the righteousness of Christ. What does that mean, pastor? That means no matter what happens in this life. Say that again. No matter what happens in this life. With our bodies that are all fading away, that you can know 100% that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor present or future, nor powers, nor heights or depths, nothing, say nothing, will separate you from the love of Christ Jesus. You can know that, friends, with 100% certainty. I don't care what happens on this side. I know nothing will separate me from my God. Then you can declare things like this. Cancer, you don't have the final word. Alzheimer's, you don't have the final word. Parkinson's, you will not have the final word. Addiction, you will not have the final word. Depression, you will not have the final word. Hospitals, hospice, hopeless rooms, you will not have the final word. Amen. Even death itself, you will not have the final word. Because my Lord Jesus, it's him who has the final word. Amen. The great news is not that Jesus will heal all of our diseases, but that he forgives all of our sin. <sighs> Forgiveness of sin is God's greatest gift. Because forgiveness of sin is our greatest need. Four. Four faithful sins. Four faithful friends. This whole story unfolds because the faith of four roof-crashing friends The faith in Jesus unlocks the forgiveness of Jesus. So I want to ask you, what was it about these men? What was it about their faith that moved Jesus so much? Quickly, four things. One, their faith was confident. These men believed in their hearts, if we just get our friend to Jesus, something can happen. How about you? Believe if you bring your friends feet of Jesus where they hear the word of God spoken where they have an experience with the living God do you, do you believe in your heart that their life can change? Yeah. 
Their faith was confident. Their faith was compassionate. These men really loved their friend. You don't go to measures and extremes like that without love in your heart. They loved their friend. And they're willing to pay the cost, whatever it was. We've got to get him to Jesus. Three, their faith was creative. Dare I even say illegal. Now don't go breaking people's roofs today. They are creative. Can you hear that discussion? What are we going to do? We can't get them through the door. People aren't moving. There's no room here. What are we going to do? And the other guy says, what about the roof? What do you mean, what about the roof? Well, what, what, what if we take them through the roof? We can't do that. Why not? We don't have any other choice. We've got to get our friend to Jesus. The fourth one's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to the roof. And they start crashing through the roof. They start breaking a hole. They start doing illegal prayers. We're, we're, we've, no matter, we've got to get them to Jesus. They're creative. How about you? And last, their faith was contagious. Imagine that man. I've thought about this all week while preparing this. I want, imagine that paralytic man, and I looked up, and I saw my friends. I saw my roof-crashing friends paying the cost, doing whatever, having this meeting, And I thought, oh my gosh, if that was my friends, my faith would increase because of them. Oh my gosh, my my friends actually believe this. They, They are contending for me so much, they're breaking a dude's roof, and they don't care. Which leads me to five. Five attributes of a roof crasher. Hang with me. Be a roof crasher. Five things roof crashers do, they're gonna be on your screen. One, they share the gospel. ACF, share the gospel. Okay? Unapologetically, boldly, full of faith, share the gospel. Let's get a burden for empty chairs in this house. Amen? Amen. Let's, Let's get a real burden saying, God, come on, someone needs to be in this chair. My neighbor. My friend, someone in my group that I, these chairs need to be filled, God, not for the sake of filling chairs, because we need life change. People need to understand the good news. Two, roof crashers are in relationships. They didn't do this alone, they were together. We have the most outstanding groups ministry at Austin Christian Fellowship. If you're not in a group, if you're not in a community, make that change today. I know sometimes it can be uncomfortable, and I know I've never done that. I don't care. Just get in community. It's that important. Amen. Don't do this alone. You cannot do this alone. Three, they give. They're generous. These guys gave everything to get their friend to Jesus. Roof crashers are generous people. Fourth, they go. These men just didn't talk about, I wish our friend, the paralytic, I wish something. No, they went. Missions-minded people. And last, they pray. They share the gospel 
evangelism, they're in relationships, community, they give generosity, they go missions, and they pray. Sana kind of sounds like Austin Christian Fellowship to me. So I just want to declare what I'm seeing out there right now is I'm seeing roof crashers. So as we end this, I'm going to give you a never and always. One, never. Ready? Never. Never stop rejoicing over Jesus' forgiveness of sin. Tell him every day, God, I thank you. I thank you that you forgave me. And I am once a sinner, now set free. And always, always keep praying for Jesus' victory over sickness. Never stop rejoicing over the forgiveness of our sins. And always keep praying because he's still in the miracle business today. So as we end this about a story of a paralytic, I'm going to share with you a quote from an evangelist, a great woman of faith named Jody, Joni Erickson Tata. Many of you have heard of her. Many of you read her books. On July 30th of 1967, she was 17 years old and she misjudged the depth in Chesapeake Bay and she dove in and the misjudging the shallowness of the water, she fractured her fourth and fifth vertebrae and was paralyzed from the shoulders down. And she said this, let this pierce your heart, let this touch your heart today. She said, I sure hope I can bring this wheelchair to heaven. Now I know that's not theologically correct, but my hope is to bring it and put it in the corner in heaven. And then with my new, perfect, glorified, resurrected body standing on glorified legs, I'm gonna stand next to my savior and holding his nail-pierced hands. I would like to say, thank you, Jesus. And he'll know that I mean it because he knows me. He'll recognize me from the fellowship of the suffering that I've shared with him. He'll know my testimony is real and not hollow. And I'm going to say, Jesus, do you see that wheelchair over there? Well, you were right. When you said in this world, we'll have trouble because that thing has been a lot of trouble for me. But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. It would have never happened had you not given me the bruising and the blessing of that wheelchair. And then the real ticker tape of praise will begin and all the earth will join the party. And that, at that point, Christ Jesus will open our eyes to the great fountain of joy in his heart beyond all that we could ever experience on earth. And when we're able to stop laughing and crying, the Lord Jesus will really wipe away all our tears. I find it so interesting. Finally, at that point, when I do have use of my arms to wipe away my own tears, I won't have to because God will have already done it. So I'll say thank you. Thank you for what you did in my life through that wheelchair. And I'll end it saying, now if you like, Jesus, you can take that wheelchair and send it straight to hell.
yes, one day, everything will be made right. One day, that sky will crack open and Jesus will come back and everything will be made right. And until that day, and until that day, I ask you, will you be a roof crasher? Will you sign up to say, I'll be a roof crasher, Lord. I'll do it. I'll grab the four corners of someone's mat and I'll lower them to your feet because I believe if I could just get them to your feet, they'll be healed. They'll be delivered. They'll be set free. And I'm never, I'm never going to stop rejoicing over the forgiveness of my sins and I'm never going to stop praying for healing miracles. Lord, here we are. As we respond to your message and respond to your goodness, we say have your way in Jesus' name. So if you are stirred right now and you feel God touching your heart, I want you to come forward. They're going to sing a song and you aren't going to believe this song, but God wants to do work. So this altar's open and all the altar means is a place where God loves to see faith. He doesn't want to see it out. He wants you to see it. So if you want to join me, I'm going to be right here because I need this. Will you join me and let's respond and worship.